Blog Talk Radio. so you don't have to be. Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So, bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This is not the show for you, but you know that's why you showed up. You ain't lying to anybody. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the amazingly wicked one herself, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. Sending out some special love to my patron saint, Dorothy Morrison. Hope you're feeling better, my love. All the good energies to you. That's wickedwitchstudios.com. All right. I am very excited tonight for the very first time making his first Desperate House Witches appearance is the amazing Jack Chanick. Hey, Jack. Hi. How are you? Oh, my gosh. So excited about this hour. Um, how's the weather up north? I know you're in uh, the tri-state area. Yes, I am. I'm in New Jersey. And just this week, it's really decided that spring is finally fully officially here. So it got up into the 60s today. I was wearing short sleeves. It's beautiful. It's sunny. Couldn't be happier. That is amazing. Know what the weather is going to do at any particular moment here in North Carolina. <laughs> One day it is sunny, the next day it is freezing. It can't make up its mind. It is weather by Sybil. I'm a bit over it at this point, as I'm sure many of my fellow North Carolinians are. But enough about the weather. Okay, so Jack, you have written a lot of books. I've you written know, you're, three you're books now. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. A lot of people don't get past number one. So I'm just saying, the track record is going very well. <laughs> but this new book, Queen of All Witcheries, is very different from the other books you've written. And I was wondering, whatever possessed you? I mean, this had to be a hard book to write because I don't recall ever seeing a book that gives a history of goddess worship that doesn't try to say, oh, it's been, you know, since the beginning of time, we have all worshipped the Great Mother. You know, I'm a neo-pagan. You know, I'm, I'm new to the game. It's a new game to me. So I'm like, how, you know, I'm sure, now that's not to be confused with peasant magic, folk magic, country magic, but not necessarily the same thing as goddess veneration. Is it? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Tell me. No, you're absolutely right. So, and this is the reason that I wrote this book, is because this book didn't exist, and I was mad that it didn't exist. Uh, we don't see a whole lot of books being published on goddess worship these days. Um, that was a publishing trend that really like boomed toward the end of the 90s, and it's gone a little bit out of vogue lately. But there are some really good goddess books out there on the market, but a lot of them are a little outdated um, because our understanding of history has improved since the late 90s. And uh, we know a lot about sort of the emergence of modern goddess worship now that you know, calls into question this narrative of, well, you know, in ancient times, that when everyone was matriarchal, we all had the great mother goddess, and everyone worshipped her, and then patriarchy overtook things, and we had a you know, father sky god for several thousand years until the reemergence of paganism in the 20th century. Like, that was the story that people yeah. used to tell. And it, it's, <clears throat> the actual story of goddess worship, as it exists in the modern world, it's a very modern thing. If I talk about the mm-hmm. goddess, the goddess, sort of, you know, with the definite article on them, 
Um, I'm talking about a really specific figure who belongs to the modern world. And, you know, she's a mother uh-huh. goddess. She's a moon goddess. She's associated with maybe cyclicality in the seasons. Maybe she's associated with the earth and the sea. She's generally a patroness of magic and witchcraft, right? And I'm describing a very mm-hmm. particular deity here. And if you look through mm-hmm. ancient paganism, that deity is not ancient. She has a lot of things in common with a number of ancient goddesses. But that particular right. goddess that I've just described, she's the goddess of the modern world. She's a goddess that only came to be known in the modern world. Um, and so I wrote this book to sort of talk through, like, who this goddess is and where she comes from, right? What are the sources? What are the people and the practitioners and the movements that have shaped the way that we understand yeah. who the goddess is today? And I love, love, love the fact that you put these exercises and rituals in the book. And it's super, to me, it's super inclusive because you've got group workings in it and you recognize the solitary practitioner, which, of course, I'm very appreciative of because the people that I was in a coven with are mostly passed on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at some point, we all have to practice alone either because we can't access our group or because we just need to do some specific workings on our own. Um, but the fact that you included everybody and made everybody feel welcome in this book is super cool. And I love the fact that you try to dispel some of the um, longstanding myths about goddess worship because it seems to be that for a lot of folks, if they can't call it ancient, it almost doesn't have enough clout. Um, like it, it can't be taken seriously because, oh, it's just a newfangled passing fancy. I get resentful of that because I see a lot of older folks, and I'm an older folk, granted, um, but a lot of older folks are like, we've been doing this for centuries. And I'm like, no, bitch, we have not. This is new. Stop <laughs> and it. It's, and it's you know, good it's, that it's new. It's exciting that it's it new. It is. I agree. I agree. But people want to say something's not valid because it doesn't have hundreds of years behind it. Why are we so fascinated with literally ancient history that we have to make everything old before it can be respected. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're all, you know, we're all chasing after something real. We're all doing this magic thing because we're, we're looking for that feeling of connection and sort of ecstatic expression of something powerful and serious. And, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can feel really insecure about that because you worry that maybe you're not doing it right. You worry that it's all in your head. And, you know, and so we look for external validation. We look for ways to say that what we're doing matters and is legitimate. And one of the ways of doing that is to say that it's ancient. Um, and, you know, we really know that a lot of what we do is not ancient. There are ways in which, you know, there's an affinity between some of the things that we do now and some things that were done in the ancient world. But really, like, the specific practices that we have, um, yeah. brand spanking new, entirely products of the modern world. Mm-hmm. And I think that especially for people who are newer to witchcraft, uh, there's that insecurity that hides deep down that says, well, you know, maybe what I'm doing is fake, or maybe what I'm doing is somehow wrong. And if I can find a way to make it old, if it's bigger than me, if it goes back farther than me, then that makes it more real. It's so interesting to me that the insecurities that folks have now are basically exactly the fucking same as the insecurities we had in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same, you know. And I find a lot of people, you know, uh, conflate stories of, of how churches came into being with, you know, the, the goddess story 
you know, that, that women got pushed out so that men could take over and rule over everything and steal the, the family's money when the man of the family would die, and then everything went to the church. But that's a very separate story from the goddess story. Uh, and I love the fact that you, you, you explore the goddess as the goddess for the goddess having nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> it's like, this is actually what has happened. These are the schools of thought. Um, you reference Crowley, Bakafen. Um, you know, you, you bring in people who are scholarly, who have, have studied this. I will tell you, you have fostered my interest in Crowley in a way no one ever has in my entire life. And I've been a practicing wow, pagan. Wow, yeah, I've been practicing not quite 50 years. I'm I'm 62. I was a young teenager when I first started, so we're getting close, but it's not quite there yet. Um, but yeah, I've never been, in, you know, because back in my day, in my my particular group, it was basically Gardnerianism as the 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 plate with the things that we brought to it, which made it a little bit different. And you and I talked mm -hmm. about that before we went on the air. And, you know, so you have to have the roots of things before you can, you have to know the rules before you can break the rules. So, you know, having a basis of, of a practice was very important to me, but being able to expand beyond that was also very important to me. And I find that even now people are still resisting the need to grow and change. And it's so important, not just to us, but to our beliefs. And I would think the goddess in her many guises as well, um, that, you know, we grow and change and learn and become more loving and more accepting whenever and wherever possible. And I think your book will foster a lot of people to want to read even more, which is always a wonderful thing when people want to read. But, you know, as yeah. I was saying, in, in my old group, there was, we started with the basics, and there was not really a whole lot of, you know, reading beyond that. There were certain books that we were issued as children, pretty much, you know, the big blue book by Buckland. And it presumed that we knew a lot of things that young pagans, young witches, did not know. Um, mm -hmm. So, and over time, you know, with families and and raising children and having to work two jobs at several points in my life and fill in the blank, a lot of the continuing education um, that I should have been doing all along, I'm first doing now. So I find your book extremely beneficial, not just to folks coming up so they have a better idea of the real timeline of our practices, but to older folks who maybe did not read every book that they could get their hands on because life happens. So I think this book is really wonderful, and I so appreciate it because it made me feel better about a lot of things and misconceptions that I know I had had but that I know other people continue to have as well. So that's – Yeah, well, and, and to your point about sort of needing to be willing to push practice beyond the boundaries, needing to be willing to be more inclusive and things like that. You know, like, mm -hmm. look at how much goddess worship has changed just in the past 150 years. Look at how much has transformed, how much has altered in the way that we think about the goddess, in the way that we worship her. You know, I think sometimes mm -hmm. we like to believe that our religion is sort of static and eternal and unchanging, and this is the way it's always been. Um, because, again, it's that sort of quest for legitimacy. But when we look at how the practice has actually evolved, whether you're practicing Gardnerian Wicca or some other kind of goddess worship, there's been so much change, and it's transformed so radically, which you know, shouldn't be a surprise to us because we worship a goddess of transformation. Of course, her religion yep. itself is going to keep changing and growing over time. Uh, and as it should, and I think this is part of the problem with other 
religions, and I do not shy away from the term religion because I am Wiccan, I am Gardnerian, this is my magical practice and my religion. And I know some people have a super hard time with that, but it's what works for me. This is just me. I'm not saying this has to be for anybody but me. Um, but I find it interesting that people just don't want to let go of certain things. And I think this is the problem with other religions like Christianity because they keep looking at this one fucking book and they want to hold to these fucking tenets that are no longer applicable in the real world, you know. And not to be gross, but a prime example is when a woman is having that time of the month She's not supposed to bathe. Why? Because she's bathing in the water that people are using for drinking or cleaning or whatever it is, and you don't want the water unclean. Well, guess what? We've come a really long fucking way as far as feminine hygiene products. Let that shit go. So the idea that you're going to stone a harlot to death or a man is not supposed to lay with another man, I don't remember reading that anywhere. Sorry. And I did study the Bible. Um, all of these things that they want to hold on to because they will not let their religion breathe and grow as it should. Um, I think this is why we're starting to see a little bit more of a drop-off in certain church attendances. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that a lot of the time what we see in religious communities, and this is true in the craft, and it's also true in other religions like Christianity, um, but we see that the theology and the, the ideas about how ritual should be done, how we're supposed to engage with divinity, um, you know, what divinity is like, all of these things tend to... Yeah change at least in part uh, alongside or in reaction to things that are going on in society at large. You know, we like to think that religion is totally divorced from politics, and it's really not, mm -hmm. because the conversations that people are having in religious communities, even if you just think about, like, whether women can be priests in the Catholic Church or, you know, like, mm -hmm. the conversations that people have are always sensitive to and responding to conversations that are being had in our society at large. Um, even just 30 years ago, the climate in Wicca pretty broadly was very heteronormative, very gender essentialist, mm -hmm. pretty homophobic, pretty oh, transphobic. Yeah. And as we've seen social attitudes about those things in the wider world start to change, uh, we're also seeing similar changes in ideas in this smaller community. Um, and so I think so much of what it means to be practicing a living religious tradition is to be aware of the way that your religious practice is in dialogue with the way the world around you is continuing to change. Mm -hmm. I, I just hope that people will really let go of, and I know it's hard. I, I know it's hard. When you're raised in a certain religion or in a certain way, those ideologies and those modes, those modalities tend to stick with you. Um, but truly, for anything to continue to be, if you choke it off and you say it's only for this group or that group or you're not willing to expand um, just expand the love. I mean, shit, isn't that what it's all supposed to be about? I mean, we worship a goddess of, of love and pleasure and ecstasy and responsibility and all of you would want God to be. I just find it fascinating that some people only feel like they're worshiping something worthwhile if it's oppressive and self-denying and angry. The need for angry gods is just kind of like, why do you only want that in your life? How do you have a happy life if you're constantly yeah, no. in fear? Not to, say, 
not to say I don't fear my gods. I do. I have a healthy respect, but I don't. I don't walk around concerned that I'm going to get struck down at any moment. I know well, that's joyful, right? What we yeah. do can be a celebration of ecstatic communion with the divine, and that's not fearful. That's not you know angry. That's just joy. And to me, that's what it sort of always comes back to is like, is this religious practice putting me in a place of joy? Is this giving me connection to something larger than myself in a way that's good, in a way that's healthy and positive and makes me happier and makes me treat people better and sort of fills me up with something jazzy uh like like is this enriching me and i think so often mm-hmm. we have this idea with religion that it's only serious if it's not enriching you and if it's like sour and stagnant and restrictive um because that's what we've yeah. been told that religion is supposed to look like mm-hmm. absolutely it's so true and the idea that you need oppression to be a good person is just a shitty backwards thing i'm Sorry, I was raised by, you know, I mean, I had a mother who was a goddess worshiper and then became a Pentecostal preacher. Don't even ask. Um, yeah, it, it was quite the switch. It was quite the switch. Um, and she is still a Pentecostal preacher to this day, as was my father. Now, the interesting thing is, is that my mother let herself be taken to a place that she didn't belong being a Christian when she was clearly a goddess worshiper. I I don't know how the switch happened except through coercion and um, some people just do things when they're coerced and they don't fight back, which, you know, I guess women of that age did, you know, they acquiesced a lot more. Um, I'm so grateful that I did not, adopt that same position in my life. Um, but I will tell you that it's much more joyful. I'm a much more joyful person when you compare the two. And when, you, when you have a God that you say talks about love and love thy neighbor and you still want to kill people that aren't like you or you don't want to feed people because you think they are less than you, or you have all of these notions that you're superior because of what you believe. And I look at you and you're, you're preaching one thing and your life is the complete opposite. And here I am, my happy little Wiccan ass is just bouncing all over the place, having a great time saying, this is a fucking party until it's not, you know? So I, I, mm-hmm. I just find it so interesting because I've recently had conversations with my mother who has said things like, Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe everything isn't as isn't what I thought it was, and it's like come back to the goddess, mom. But you know, <laughs> it's interesting when you've been doing something for for over forty years, and you've been preaching, and you tell people this, that, and the other thing, and then you suddenly have to rec- you know reconcile yourself to the fact that oh, maybe you were wrong. That's a really hard pill to swallow. And I'm certain it's next possible to swallow when you're in your 80s, which is. But I still have hope, Jack. I still have hope for my mother. Well, and that's... um, Sorry, what was that? Huh? Oh, sorry. I I thought you said something. Yeah, I I was just going to say this is, I think, um, a really interesting hallmark of goddess worship in particular. And this is something we see really coming to the fore, uh, starting in the 70s, when goddess worship gets twined in with a lot of sort of feminist political movements and environmentalism, uh, and you get this really strong emphasis in goddess worship on the idea that you're not better than everyone else. Now, you're not worse than everyone else either, but like you are connected to everything in a way that's much bigger than you. And the point is to share in the connection. The point is to have this feeling of being a part of something alongside everyone else. 
rather than this view where you belong to sort of the special elite uh, who are set aside and they have it right and everyone else has it wrong and everyone else is bad and deserves to suffer and deserves to be sort of segregated and pushed away and denigrated. So the idea that we are uplifting and celebrating our connection to each other rather than looking to form an in-group and an out-group is, I think, a really beautiful facet of goddess religion. And it's something that, uh, you know, I have an ego. I'm, I'm occasionally a little bit arrogant. Um, and that's a, a message that has really struck home for me because it's something that I needed to hear. was like, look, you know, you're great. No question about that. But everyone else is great, too. And you're not, you know, this super special golden boy. You belong to something bigger than you. And that's a really big deal. It is. It really is. And I think you're a pretty big deal. Because <laughs> I just think well, you're amazing. Because you, you lay things out and, and you speak your truth and it comes from your heart. I, you know, I'm, I've been around the block. I was a private investigator for the state of New York for a while. And I, I kind of know bullshit when I hear it. So, yeah, no, I think you're, you're you know, you say what's real and what's true. And you often say things that I go, oh, shit, it's not just me. Um, in addition to being a writer and a tarot uh, teacher, at, you know, Jack's written, um, he's written about, oh, God, I'm sorry, I just lost my place and my eye is itching. Forgive me. Oh, um, no. But he's written Kabbalah for Wiccans, which was fantastic. Um, you've also written, what was the book? What was the second book? Tarot for Real Life. Tarot for Real Life. Thank you. So sorry. Thank you for bringing that That's up. Okay. This was a complete, I mean, this current book, Queen of All Witcheries, it's different. It's a departure. It was a book that was needed. Um, I have not seen a book like it. I've been around for a really long fucking time. And this book is just really fantastic, and I love the rituals. I know I've said this already, but the rituals in it are really great for connecting to the aspect you want to deal with or work with, I should say. Um, you know, you, and you also have a YouTube channel, Jack Chanick. has a YouTube channel, and it's pretty awesome. Um, and the most recent video that you had put out really struck a chord with me because you were talking about the idea of being a bad polytheist. Because, and I've had this thought in my head because, you know, I had it in my head. I should be worshiping all of these different gods in this one pantheon, and I'm a shitty polytheist because, I'm currently working with two or three at a, two or three goddesses at a time, um, and it's like, am I bad at this because I'm like the the goddess of protection for Ukraine, Verahina. I'm working with her lately. I, I've taken quite a shine to Hecate recently. Gaia is always with me, um, but it, it it occurred to me, am I am I and what am I excluding that's fucking me up? Am I do again? Even at this age, you will always wonder: Are you doing it right? And the mm -hmm. idea that it wasn't just me, and you're like, you know, there are gods and goddesses, you know, that you will have lunch with. I loved, I loved the way you did the analogy of, you know, there are your besties, and there are the folks you visit with. And they're not always the same person, and it's not always the same type of relationship. Talk about that a little bit, because I thought that was so important for polytheists to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so when I first started out in paganism, uh, right, I thought I had to be worshipping all of the gods, and I had to be giving them all equal airtime. So I had, like, you know, God, this says so much about me. I had a schedule. And I was like, okay, oh, on Monday, I'm going to pour a libation to Demeter. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to pour a libation to Apollo. And then on Wednesday, and you know, and it was exhausting. And honestly, other than just being exhausting, it, it took all the joy out of it. It like, I, it made 
my religious practice kind of wrote and I wasn't feeling connected. I wasn't feeling anything resembling ecstasy and I wasn't getting anything out of it because I was so obsessed with like, I have to check all of these boxes and worship all of these gods in equal measure. And as I started to sort of relax out of that, you know, I found some gods that I really clicked with and others that I really didn't click with. And it's, you know, the way I think about it increasingly is that work with gods, um, you know, however you conceive of gods, whether you think of them as independent entities, whether you think of them as archetypes or whatever, but work with gods Mm -hmm. is fundamentally about building relationships. You're building a relationship with this person and Mm -hmm. different relationships look different, right? Like as soon as we think about it in those terms, you think, oh, well, of course I have different relationships with my family members than I do with my coworkers. I have different relationships with my really, really close friends than I do with like the friends that I maybe, you know, get lunch with once a month. And none of those relationships are bad. You're not wrong for having different relationships with different levels of intimacy. They're just different. Um, And when you think about working with gods, I think it's very similar, right? So I have a couple of very, very close uh, working relationships with deities. Um, And those are like, you know, I I think I say in the video something to the effect of if someone calls me in the middle of the night and needs help burying a body, I pick up the phone. Um, (laughs) Right, like I'm a ride or die with a couple of very select deities. Then there are other relationships where it's like, yeah, you know, we sort of get along every now and then. I'll pour out a libation or light some incense. But it's not super close. It's not super intimate. And it doesn't have to be. You can still have a good relationship with a deity that's not one of, like, complete and constant devotion on the same level as the attention that you give to everyone else. So I think as soon as we allow ourselves to just relax a little bit, and to treat these relationships organically and let them grow uh, the way that we let all of our other relationships grow, where some of them are closer than others um, and where we have different levels of contact and different sorts of things that we offer or ask from the people that we're in relationship Mm -hmm. with, uh, all of a sudden that gets so much easier. It does. And I liken what you said to... And I know I'm probably going to get pushed back on this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's kind of like when you have more than one child. Now, the politically correct thing to say is you love your children equally. Um, And I am a big proponent of, no, you fucking don't. It's not possible. (laughs) It's just not. It's not possible. And I'm a mom. I have two sons. And the younger son is everyone's favorite, including the older child. So it's like, no, no, no. We're very honest. We're very clear about it in my family. And so every time I hear, oh, I love them all equally, whether you're talking about children or gods or parents, no, you know, you know that there is a special connection and it's not something to be ashamed of. And I wish people were just a little more honest with themselves about it. Well, and the fact that you have a special connection here doesn't mean that your relationship over there is worthless or doesn't matter or that there isn't love there, right? There's still a great deal of love. It's just different. Of course. It's just different. Yeah. You would not believe the looks I get when I say that shit in public. Woo! (laughs) But, you know... And I, sometimes when I'm just driving in my car, I get weird thoughts, and, and I wanted to throw this one at you. Um, you know, when you talk to Pentecostal Christians, for example, they all seem to look at God or their God the same way. And it occurs to me, gee, I don't know about relationships that other folks have with the same gods that I have. Is it all up to personal interpretation or are, you know, or are our gods really everywhere all at once? You know, like is 
is Gaia here with me and there with someone else the way Christians think of Jesus being with them everywhere all at once? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the answer is somewhere down the middle. Because certainly yeah. um, so much of the relationships that we build with deities are personal, are experiential, and to a certain extent they're private, right? I might have a relationship with Gaia where when I offer her strawberry shortcake, she just fucking goes ape shit over it, loves it, goes hog wild. And you might have a relationship with Gaia where strawberry shortcake is the last thing you should be offering her. Um, and, you know, that, like, that's the kind of a silly example. But, like, I might have a relationship with Gaia where she encourages me to behave a particular way or to ritualize a particular way or to carry certain values with me. And that might be very different than the kind of relationship that you have with her. But that's also yeah. true of human relationships, right? You and I might have the same friend, and that friend could be very different with me than she is with you. And she might give me different advice than she gives to you because we're different people with different situations in our lives. And the same yeah. advice isn't going to apply in every case. Um, so I, I think that there is a sense in which, you know, if you and I are both worshiping Gaia, we're both tapping into the same thing. It's that same deity that's behind it all. But the experience that we have is going to be intimate and personal in a way that means that my experience of Gaia doesn't necessarily say anything about what your experience is going to be like. And I think it's really important when we start thinking about things like authority and, you know, who's in Mm -hmm. charge, who dictates which experiences are legitimate and which ones aren't. Because in a lot of sort of more centrally organized hierarchical religious organizations, uh, there is an authority who says, this is what your experience of God is supposed to be. And we don't have that, and we don't get to have that, right? I can have the most powerful direct communion with Gaia, absolutely just, you know, complete revelation, and I still don't get to tell you what your experience of her is supposed to be like because it could very well be just completely different from my own and still be just as legitimate and just as much an experience of that same deity. Oh, I love that about our faith. I just do. Because Christians judge each other and tell each other what their relationship is supposed to be with Jesus. And it's like the idea that you are supposed to fit a relationship with a deity into a box that is Mm -hmm. dictated by other humans is fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, and I mean, pagans try to pull that shit too, right? You absolutely still get people who are saying, oh, well, that's not what you should be doing or that's not what your relationship should be. But fuck them. They don't get to say. No shit. No shit. And here's the thing about my god's worship. My god's drink. Gaia has Bombay Sapphire, and Father has um, Glenlivet. Now, I don't even drink. My gods drink better than most of my friends do, to be honest (laughs) with you. I tried, tried to give offerings of wine and honey cakes. And let me tell you what, within 24 hours, a white film would form on top of the wine. Now, I tried this multiple times because I'm like, is it the humidity? What's going on? Oh, no. My gods were like, fuck you. Do better. I, okay, shit. So I started bringing <laughs> home good food. And they were like, this yep. is what we're talking about. Now you've got it. I'm like, wow. Y'all are demanding. But okay, you know. Obviously, they've taken great care of me and my family. So if your gods give yeah. you a message... Take that message. Not all they every aspect, just like like you're saying, exactly what you're saying. Every relationship is different. Your relationship should not have to look like anyone else's. I'm so glad you're saying this. It's really important for folks to understand that their relationship should not look like someone else's. It should be individual. We actually do have a real personal relationship with our God 
as opposed to other religions that want you to fit in a certain type of box. That is one of the most beautiful things about Wicca, paganism, witchcraft, you name it, throw it in there. If you can have a relationship with a deity or multiple deities, I don't tell people how many they should believe in or whatever. That's all a personal situation. Every, you know, it, it amazes me that people get so indoctrinated that they just pass it down by rote and it gets accepted by rote because I was raised pretty much as a um, Pentecostal that I was supposed to pass that to my children and indoctrinate them. And I said, oh, oh no, we're not doing that. So I told my kids when they were very young, religion is a very personal choice. So you may see mother light candles and worship the goddess. You're going to have to make up your own fucking mind. And it's mm-hmm. one of the great things now that my youngsters are in their 30s, I think it's one of the things they're most happy with about their childhood, that they were not forced to believe or attend or do any of the things that folks my age um, had to put up with. So give people a choice. Give people an option. I think it's really important to not try to inject yourself in someone else's – I mean, it's true for any relationship. You don't want someone – injecting themselves into your relationship with a loved one, whether it's a partner or a child or whomever, why would you do that with deity? It just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if someone stepped in and said, oh, no, no, that's not how you should, you know, relate to your children, like, you need to, whatever, make your children eat broccoli at dinner every night, and they can't leave the table until they've finished all their broccoli. Like, right. say, bitch, who are you? And why do you think yeah. that you get to intervene in this relationship between me and my kids? And it's, it's the same sort of thing with relationships with gods, right? Like, who are you to yep. say what this relationship is supposed to be like for me? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. It's it's just ridiculous. The things that we are willing to ex- to accept from other people because we think someone quote unquote knows better. Only you can know your relationship or deity. However you do it is is okay, you know. And the more inclusive, the better. I'm always screaming about inclusivity because I saw firsthand what happens when you want to push people out for certain reasons, um, thinking of the Pantheacon where the, the debacle happened, the mm-hmm. big debacle uh, back in 2012, I believe. I was actually there for that one, and it was horrifying, and it was embarrassing to see that, that people I'm supposed to have something in common with can be so horrific to other people who believe the things we believe. I just, I don't know, it just was really an eye-opener how nasty uh, pagans can be. It just astounded me. I, you know, I, because I, listen, I was very, very privileged, straight up truth. I was never molested Uh, in a group. I was never abused in a group. I was always treated with love and respect. I know that there are horror stories out there, and I feel horrible about that, but I was super duper lucky. And when I was exposed to the kind of mistreatment um, that I witnessed, it was, I mean, gosh, who are we? What are we trying, what are we doing? What are we showing the world that we are if we're willing to accept these folks who are not showing love to people who aren't like them. I mean, that's why I ran from Christianity. You know what I mean? It's like I didn't want to be a part of something that said, well, if you are this religion, you have to hate all these other people. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. What's wrong with you? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because I've just said that no one is allowed to tell anyone else what their religion should be like, and now I'm going to turn around and say what other people's religion should be like. But look, if you're using yeah. religion as a pretext to treat people like shit, I can't yeah. help but feel like you're doing something wrong. I just can't. Agreed. And you know what? I have no preconceived notion that I'm holier than thou or anybody else. I don't give a fuck. There's people I can't fucking stand because all they want to do is hurt other people. And I can't grab with that shit. You need to go. You need to go. And I've made this statement many, many times. Your politics tell me who you are. I have been uh, lectured. I have been scolded. I have been told by multiple people that politics should not matter. You need to separate that from your relationships. And I'm like, oh, no, boo-boo. It tells me who you are morally. And if we are not morally aligned, I can't do it. I can't do it. I was, yeah. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Lifetime Eric Clapton fan. And then I found out that Eric was a Is prejudiced little fuck. Oh, I didn't know. I, but when I yeah. fucking found out, when I found out, never listened to those records again, dumped them all, have no, none of his shit. If it comes on on the radio, that shit goes off. And then I find out this motherfucker is telling people that he's not going to play any stadiums where it's required to wear a mask in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Have you lost your goddamn mind? Obviously, you fucking have. So all of that, I mean, but from childhood, huge fan, dumped it. Nope, hate you. Can't do it. Don't want to hear you. Don't want to see you. Don't want to know about you. Uh-uh. Oh, well, that's a shame. And when you get older, you become a lot easier to get rid of people because there's mm-hmm. not a lot of time. When, you're get, when you get older and you realize you're, you're more to the end of your journey than the beginning, you start to learn what matters in a fucking hurry, and you will dump mm-hmm. people left and right. If they come against you, if they try to control you, if they try to hurt you, uh-uh, you don't have to. But I want people to learn it sooner than, than a lot of us did. A lot of us acquiesced. A lot of us got abused in relationships that we had. And you know what? You don't have to put up with that shit. I don't know why I went there, but something told me to go there. So somebody listening, talking to you, boo-boo, don't put up with mm-hmm. any bullshit. Do your thing. No. Do your shit. Don't put up with it. And, Correct. And like you said, it's, you know, people want to say that politics, you know, belongs out there. Politics shouldn't matter in what we do. Politics can't help but matter in what we do. Um, Thank partly you. Partly because, like you said, Thank your politics you. tell me who you are. They tell me what your moral values are and how you live those out. But also because... We're not immune to politics, right? The politics that's happening out there, the conversations that we're having, we bring that yep. with us when we do whatever it is that we're doing, when we cast a spell, when we're having a circle. Like, we can't help that because that lives in us, that lives with us, and it affects what we bring to the table when we're doing our magic, when we're doing our religion. And so if yep. you pretend that that's not there, you're just turning a blind eye to it, but it's still in the background doing its thing, and now it can fester because it's being ignored, because no one's dealing oh. with it head on, right? It's like you're sticking your so fingers true. in your ears and going, no, 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 I can't hear you. Like, you've got mm-hmm. to open your ears up, you've got to pay attention to mm-hmm. what's happening, and then you've got to address political issues straightforwardly, because they do come into our religious spaces. They do affect our religious lives. And we have to be able to act like grown-ups and deal with that rather than just pretending that it's not a problem. And sometimes that means relationships end. I have cut off relationships with ex-husbands, ex-boyfriends, ex-friends, some relatives. The only reason I still even talk to my mother is because she's 83 and she seems to be coming around a little bit. Aside from that, you got to go. You got to go. Mm-hmm. 
and you don't have to put up with, don't be guilted. I find people being guilted because it was tried on me. Don't feel guilty for wanting to be surrounded by people who make you feel comfortable. Self-persecution is not a luxury. It's really not. We're here to enjoy. Our goddess says we are to live in, you know, in justice and fairness and joy and pleasure and happiness, you know. But the idea of justice, every time I go to my altar, justice becomes a part of it because I want what's just and fair. Maybe it's because I'm a Libra. I don't know. But seeing that the right thing is done, you know, like everybody's talking about Trump's indictment. Okay, great. Until I see a perp walk and handcuffs, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm hopeful. You know what I mean? So it's like justice is a variant to have happen, at least for me. So I I want to be fair, and there's truth to the fact that you don't always know all of the facts in every situation. But if you honestly try for truth and justice and love, I think that's where we all need to start, you know? And I think that's what our gods are about, really. Or am I just a happy chick in the sky? Witchcraft is about. Witchcraft is the craft of the oppressed. Using power yeah. back from the people who don't want you to have it, right? So one of one of sort of the founding texts of the modern witchcraft movement is Aradia, the Gospel of the Witches, where the goddess Diana tells her daughter, "Thou shalt be the first of all the witches known, and thou shalt teach the art of poisoning those who are great lords of all and making them die in their palaces, and you shall continue this until the last of your oppressors shall be dead." And to be clear, yep. I am not advocating for poisoning. I do not endorse murder. No, no, no. But the idea <laughs> that the witch is a figure who takes power back from the powerful and hands it to the people who are oppressed, that's baked into goddess worship. That's baked into the witchcraft revival, and it has been there from the start. There's no getting rid of that. I mean, I think people get so wrapped up in the am I doing it right or the other saying you're doing it wrong. If you're doing it from your heart with good intentions, seriously, you know, the whole uh, and harm it none thing, that's a later addition. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we, we, we don't intentionally go out to harm people, but we want justice. We want what's right for all. And I think that is such a beautiful part of what we believe. And I just hope people will start to go and, and focus more on that than if yeah. they're doing it right yeah. or the other side which tells them they're doing it wrong. I just, can we just go back to what's important? And what's important is trying to grow what we're doing so that it's more accepted and that more people are included. I mean, that's really, you know, I remember the days way, way back when all we wanted, all we talked about was will we ever be accepted in the world, in polite society? And, you know, I'm talking about mid to late 70s, early 80s. A lot of it was still hush, even though there were groups popping up a lot more and more books started to become available if you knew where to go to get them. And now it's just like, well, I'm this and I'm that and this is my lineage and fuck you. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, go back to the basics. It's, it's about love and for all and, and justice, really. And I yeah. just hope folks stop waving their fingers at each other with well, we do it like this, and you're doing it. I mean, that just pisses me off. You know, I recently had a conversation, and I, I don't want to go without talking about this briefly, but, you know, you're a priest, and I am not, and I'm good with that. I am not a priestess. I, I think 
being a, a high priest or a high priestess is such a huge fucking responsibility, and I don't fucking want it. So I have to give you tons of respect for being willing to be one of the people that is willing to teach and is willing to counsel and is willing to listen. Um, because, you know, the emotional religious security of another individual is really in your hands, in the hands of a high priest or a high priestess. And, you know, a lot of folks like to throw the word priest around or priestess around, and it's like, yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, you want to be a priestess of blah, 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 blah. Okay, I, 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 I dig that. But I just, I'm old-fashioned in the sense that I don't feel like I've earned that honor. So I'm very respectful when someone is a high priest or a high priestess. It's like, oh, you are doing shit that I'm afraid to do. <laughs> Thank you so much for being willing to do that. And I don't think we, I don't think we show our clergy uh, enough respect and love. So I just want to say to you, thank you so much for doing <laughs> what you do. Oh, you don't need to blow smoke up my ass. It's okay. Um, no, it's look right. Being, being a priest is—it's not sexy. It's not sexy. People think it's sexy. People want the like. People like the idea of a fancy title, and more than anything oh, else. No priesthood and leadership in general, but like priesthood is an act of service. It is about putting yourself second and putting the needs of the gods or the people in your group or the, you know, the people that you are in service to. It's about putting their needs first. And that's ultimately what it's all about. Um, And, you know, sometimes I'm good at that. Sometimes I'm not great at that. I am only human, but that the point of priesthood is an it's an act of humility and it is a service that you render to your religious community and to the gods you're devoted to um and you know it like it's there are there are people who go power tripping over being a high priestess or whatever um when i first started looking into wicca someone and i can't remember who um i can't remember where i first heard this but someone told me that the high priestess is the one who buys toilet paper. And, like, that's mm-hmm. what it all comes down to, right? And someone has to be in charge of buying the toilet paper. Um, not in the sense of the financial responsibility, but just in the sense of, like, make sure that everyone's asses are clean. That's the job right. of the high priestess. And it's not glamorous. It's not glamorous. If anything, it's disturbing because you are having to – you have put yourself – in the crossfire of dealing with folks and their emotions and fears and in a lot of respect, their faith. And believe me, baby, I don't blow smoke up anybody's ass. I'm too old and don't give a fuck. The fact <laughs> of the matter is is that you're, what you're doing is a job that is not for everyone who thinks they fucking deserve it. There's a lot that people assume. No, it's not fucking glamorous, which is why I never fucking wanted to do it. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so, no, I'm not stupid. I'm lazy, and I fucking know it. And I, I'm not responsible enough to want to take on that kind of job. That's why, you know, and at 61, almost 62, when people say, oh, ba 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 ba, elder, I'm like, no, 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 no. Not elder. Elder Lee. But not elder. <laughs> Here's a difference. Slow your roll. That's not me. I don't. Cl- I don't claim it. I don't want it because I'm too smart to want to have that fucking responsibility. So when I give you the respect, please fucking take it. <laughs> All right. I, I'll take it. I will take it. But Jack, you are amazing. I have so enjoyed this hour with you, and it has really flown by. And I really hope you will come back on. It's been fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and I would be delighted to come oh back. God. I really would. Okay. Well, I'm holding you to it. You just said it in front of my audience, so guess what? The book is called Queen of All Witcheries. Uh, get this and Jack's other books, and there will be more. I don't care what he says. Um, this book is amazing. If you really want to know about the history of goddess worship, 
I highly encourage you to pick up this book. Again, he's encouraged me to want to go read Crowley. I never thought that would fucking happen in this world. But, yeah, it did. Jack, thank you again. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I will check in with you very, very, very soon. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Fucking love him. Is he not amazing? Yeah. I've been waiting to talk to him forever. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. I will be back on Thursday with the 415, and I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Go make somebody happy, especially if it's you yourself. Love you guys.